Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to be able to be here on this Palm Sunday morning. Lord, even though there are many, many who have traveled away, yet we know, Lord, that we are more than two or three, and that even every soul that came is still a blessing to us and to thee as well. Lord, be with those that have traveled. We pray that they might have travel mercies to return home safely. Be with Aunt Marie Harfman, who's in the hospital again. Be with the Marcy's, who are still not able to leave their facility. Lord, we're so thankful that Aunt Lori is doing well. We're thankful, Lord, that a, a ministering brother can once again go into that facility and, and minister unto those dear ones there. Lord, be with those that still are unable to join us because of concerns with the virus, and we pray, Lord, that the days might, be, might quickly pass until we can all gather again in this house of prayer and worship Thee collectively. We're so thankful, Lord, that things are easing. We're thankful that next week we can extend our schedule again, Lord. We are, we are very blessed. And we thank Thee, Lord, for Thy protection over this last year, that even though there could have been very devastating results, that even when there was the virus present, Lord, it was contained and it was not all that serious in our midst. Lord, speak to us in this morning hour. Bless those like also the Mueller's, Lord, that are home, unable to come. Bless those, Lord, that are coming even though they may not be at 100%, but that they know there are things that they need to support the church in and they're here. Lord, we are, again, we are so blessed and we thank thee and we praise thee for thy goodness. And now speak to us out of thy word and give us whatever instruction, Lord, we have need of. And we will thank thee and praise thee in advance. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear ones, I want to especially thank Jeremy who took the Bible class for me. I was supposed to teach Bible class today and a double dose of me nobody should have to deal with on a Sunday morning. I also want to thank, you know, Sister Renee who's, who's doing the, it's not just recording anymore. It's, it's monitoring a live feed. It's launching the live stream. And, you know, she had her second COVID shot yesterday. So I really am, it's a blessing to have, certainly a blessing to have she and uh, Brother Josh in our midst, but especially their willingness to serve is just, it's, it's an, it should be considered an honor to God. We should see it as an honor to God as they do these things. Dear ones, this is Palm Sunday, a very special day. And with the Lord's help, I'd like to read from Luke chapter 19, beginning with verse 29. Luke 19, beginning with verse 29. Give you a moment to find that. And it came to pass, when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples, saying, Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering ye shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why do ye loose him? Thus shall ye say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, why loose ye the colt? And they said, the Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus and they cast their garments upon the colt, 
and they set Jesus thereon. And as he went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he was come nigh, even now at the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. And he answered and said unto them, I tell you that if those should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. And when he was come near, he beheld the city, and he wept over it, saying, If thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the days shall come upon thee, and thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round, and keep thee in on every side, and shall lay even with and shall lay even with the ground, and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. I'd like to conclude with verse 44. Dear ones, we, we, we know that this, this is the Palm Sunday text. It's one of them. This is the account of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And we know that he was welcomed as a king coming into the town. They were so thrilled to see him that they, they were saying, you know, Hosanna. They were laying their clothes, in the, the palm trees in the streets. They, he was being honored as a triumphant king coming into the city. And we know that just not even a full week later, he's crucified. And as I thought about this event coming into the city, I was reminded of what we had talked about Wednesday evening, and that was preparation. The city wasn't ready for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. They didn't realize what opportunity was presented them. And Jesus had a very, very busy week ahead of him. I did a little bit of research um, in terms of how much of the Gospels talks about this last week of Jesus' life. One-third of the Gospel of Matthew covers from today on. One-third. Chapters 21 through 28. One-third the Gospel according to Mark addresses this last week, chapters 11 through 16. One quarter of Luke, chapters 19 through 24, and nearly half of the Gospel of John deals with this week. Think about that, dear ones. 31% of the total chapters related to the history of of Jesus Christ on earth 
deals with one week's time. I went a little bit farther and I decided how much of his life, because we talk about Jesus' ministry being three years. So how much of his three-year ministry is covered? It's a half a percent. It's actually 0.6% of his life takes up 31% of the gospel. Six-tenths of 1% of Jesus' ministry life is this week. But it is so impactful. It's the reason he came. It's the magnitude of, of his ministry is, so, is wrapped up in these next five days. And he's going to be crucified and then Three days later, he's going to rise from the dead. What was Jesus doing in this week? Have we thought about that? Have we thought about all the teachings that he gave in this week? Not even the full week. It's because we know that, it, we know that at one point he's, he's arrested. So from the time he enters the city of Jerusalem till his arrest, he's busy. What was he doing? Nearly one-third of the Gospel of John is dedicated to one day in Jesus' life. Chapters 13 through 19 in the Gospel according to John is one day of Jesus' life. He's preparing, dear ones. He's preparing to be gone. He's preparing the disciples for this, this ordeal that they're going to go through. And, and for, me, for me, when we when in Bible study, we went, when we went through the Gospel of John, and yes, it took a long time. And I'm really glad it did, because there was so much I would have missed if we would have just read through it quickly. Let me, just, let me just quickly give you some of the highlights. Let me skip over here to the Gospel of John. Chat, starting, I'm just going to give you some, just some themes from the chapter titles. This is one day Jesus washes his disciples' feet. He foretells about his betrayal. He warns Peter about Peter's denial. Then we get to, that's chapter 13. Then we get to chapter 14. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. Why? So that where I go, you're going to be there too. I realize I just paraphrased that last verse. That's just the beginning of chapter 14. He talks about leaving his peace with them. Chapter 15, the union between Christ and the church, the parable of the vine, talks about our need to abide in him as he abides in the Father to continue in him. Chapter 16, he warns his disciples of their sufferings. He talks about the office of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. Chapter 17, where would we be without his high priestly prayer where he prays not just for them but for us? 
Chapter 18, he's betrayed. Chapter 19, chapter 19 he scores these this one day. Why did he pack so much into it? Because he wanted us to be prepared. He wanted them to be prepared. And, and we know that even with all of the time he spent detailing all of these specific things about what would happen to him, they still didn't understand. But he spent the time one-on-one, one-on-eleven or twelve at some point, ministering to their needs to prepare them for what was coming. Yes, Palm Sunday is a wonderful thing to read about. It's a historical event. It's Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. But it was just the beginning of this busy week that would culminate seven days later with a resurrection. But there would be so much more that people would have to experience far beyond this triumphal entry. We know, we read here that the Pharisees didn't like it. The Pharisees didn't like the fact that, that, the, that the disciples were making so much noise. Quiet them down, quiet them down. What was Jesus' reply? You know what? If they didn't say it, the rocks would cry out. Why? Because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords had entered into Jerusalem. He had entered in to this holy city. Yes, it was the city of David. This was the Jerusalem was the place, was the misspoke there. Jerusalem was the seat, was the center of their religious, of their religious faith. This was the place where the temple was. But the king was coming. The king who was worshipped in the temple. The son of the living God was entering in. That really was his city. It was an important day, but they missed it. Jesus, toward the end of this, of my reading, here says he wept over the city. So he comes into this city that was his city. And he wept. He wept because his eyes saw a time that was not yet, but he knew would come. He wept because he realized that roughly 37 to 40 years later, this city would be reduced to rubble. He knew that around the year 70 A.D., a Roman general whose name, if I'm not mistaken, was Titus, could be wrong, would lay siege to the rebellious city, pleading for them to surrender, but they wouldn't. You see, the problem, if, if we, and I don't want to get too much into what might be spoken about next week, but Pilate was a very, very successful governor in this city, in this region. He was able to keep the peace in Palestine until Jesus was crucified. Until he gave in to the religious fools. And once he did, he lost control. And this city went from one rebellion and insurrection to another, till finally Rome had had enough and sent Titus and said, 
shut him down. Jesus could see the siege of the city. Titus asked them to behave, asked them to surrender, and they wouldn't. So he locked the city up. He blocked off the city. No food. Till they ate their own children to survive. And when he saw that, he had had enough, and he used a weapon that had, was fairly new, being a battering ram, and he broke through the walls of the city, and he killed every man, woman, and beast that he could find, and laid the city flat. That's what Jesus saw. That's why he wept. And there's a verse here that just jumped out at me. Verse, and even told him how it would happen. When he says, And the day shall come upon thee, and thine enemies shall cast a trench about thee, and compass thee round about, and keep thee on every side, and shall lay thee even with the ground, and thy children with thee, and they shall not leave one stone upon another. Why? Because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. They didn't know that the king was there. They missed it. Dear ones, do we understand the severity of that statement? They didn't know the time of their visitation. They weren't prepared. Think back of the parable of the ten virgins. Five were wise, five were foolish, five had oil in their lamps, five did not. Why? Because they did not know when the bridegroom was come. They didn't know the time of their visitation. Other parables that Jesus gave about the, 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 the unjust stewards, those that, you know, that, didn't, that didn't respect the, the, the landowner. And he said, I'm going to send my son because I know they'll respect him. And they killed him too. Why? Because they didn't know the time of their visitation. My heart goes out to those that, that may be here or those that may be watching virtually. Are you aware of your time of visitation? Do you understand that this might be the day that the King of Kings and Lord of Lords rides into your heart, your city? And he's asking, will you open the gates of your heart for me to come in? Because I am the King of kings. I am the Lord of lords. I am also the Prince of peace. I come to bring you peace. But it's only going to be peace if you understand that this is the day of your visitation. If you miss it, he foretells the day of our destruction. The city wasn't laid waste eight days from this. Jerusalem wasn't destroyed on the Monday after the resurrection Sunday. It was about 40 years later. And I think too about, you know, how patient God was with that city. When they not only treated Jesus this way, but then pretty much drove his disciples out because they didn't know the day of their visitation. 
One of the things, dear ones, that we talked about on Wednesday night, I started Wednesday night by asking, how do you prepare for Christmas? Now, you all know that when I talk about Christmas, I refer to it really as the most wonderful time of the year. It is a very special, blessed time. It's a time of joy. It's a time of, of anticipation. We, we wait for this, this wonderful celebration of our Lord's birth. And, and, and you know, we, we will even um, try to, on the Sundays leading up to it, the Sundays of Advent, trying to prepare our hearts and our minds for what's happening at Christmas. And we, there are special songs that we sing. And we, we, we go out of our way to, I don't, but a lot of our folks go out of their way to prepare gifts, baked goods, and things that, that are exchanged. I don't mean this to be disrespectful at all, but it's just Christmas. It's the birth of our Savior. It's when He came to earth. But without Easter, that's not a special day. He didn't come to be born. He came to die. He came because he wanted us to have a day of visitation. And the visitation is only possible because he died, because he allowed himself to be sacrificed, the lamb, that perfect lamb without blemish, so that we could live. How are we preparing for Easter? Are we taking the time to, to focus on some specific things? And, and, and there, were, there were three things, and I hope I can remember them because I don't, I, don't, I don't want to go back to my iPad to get it. But, you know, Jesus gave us the example in this week of how he prepared for, for Easter. He spent focused time in fellowship with, his, with his, those that were following him, his disciples, giving them instruction, giving them teachings, helping them understand the magnitude of why he was here. And think about this one, dear ones. What did he do first? Well, I love the fact here where, where even before we get to, to the, the bulk of the teachings in the upper room and the washing of the disciples' feet, kind of like what happened with with, with Abraham's servant, he says to, to, to the disciples, go into this city, and when you get in there, you're going to find a colt that nobody sat on yet, and I want you to bring it. Oh, and by the way, somebody's going to ask you about it, and you just tell them, I need it. It's kind of like Abraham saying to his servant, I want you to go back to my homeland, and I want you to find a wife for Isaac. And what does the servant say? All the things that we would have said, but, 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 but. And he goes, just go. The angel's going to go before you, and it's all going to be taken care of. That's how Jesus starts this week. Don't worry. It's already prepared. The heart of the owner of that colt is prepared. Just go. Just trust me and go. And they went. And what's the first thing we read about in the upper room? He washes his disciples' feet. He says, here's your first bit of preparation. Love each other. Serve each other. I am your master and I'm doing this for you. There should be nothing that you aren't willing to do for your brethren and those in need. How are we preparing? 
What conversations are we having with people? The other thing that Jesus did was he prayed a lot. And one of the scriptures that we read on Wednesday was that it said basically, and as his habit was, he went onto the Mount of Olives to pray. Now the reason why the writer, and I forgot that might have been a Luke Reference, I'm not sure what we read on Wednesday night, but why in the world did the writer put it that way? Because it was normal for Jesus to do that. As was his practice, as was his habit, he went into the, out to the Mount of Olives to pray. This week, in particular, our, my brother and my sister, will we be more focused in prayer? Lastly, his obedience. Even though it meant death, he obeyed. So he gave us these three examples. Intentional fellowship with people in this week. Sharing the truth of why he came. Yes, this is, one, this is a wonderful springtime celebration kind of thing that the world would look at. And I'm not making light of that. We talked about some of our memories of Easter, and, 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 and it was interesting that, that Sister Renee said she remembers that she and, and Melissa would get new dresses for Easter. Something they look forward to. Wonderful. That's great. Maybe there's special meals that you have. That's wonderful. I, you know, I remember once going to the Kittleburgers and, and, and Brother Scott having a Seder feast so that I could, I could understand what was this that they talk about here. I remember an, an early morning sunrise service at the Loibley's house on Thayer Street. I remember going to the lake one time to Aunt Mary's for a sunrise service. And then someone reminded me, remember we had one here. There was no church building. It probably was right about where the lawn is right out here because of what we cleared off and, and how the lot laid. It's probably where it was. Wonderful. But why do we do it? To prepare our hearts so that we can understand what this visitation was. Without this week, we have no reason to be here. Think about that, dear ones. Without this week, without what's happening throughout this week and what we're going to culminate, we're going to, we're going to talk about and read about next Friday and Sunday, there's no reason to be here. There's none of us gathering together. We may never have met. There would be no building here. There would be no reason to live because life would have no hope. It would all be misery. It would all be sorrow. And in the end, you rot away to nothing. But Jesus came as the King of Kings, as the Lord of Lords, as the Prince of Peace, so that we have a reason to be here. And this reason is that we have, we have, the Apostle Paul referred to it as a lively hope. Now, 
This lively hope means that it's a hope that, that inspires us. It's a hope that should drive us. It is a knowing that this actually is going to happen. We, we saw that with, with Abraham. Abraham had that kind of a lively hope. He said to his, and we, we read about it now two weeks in a row. Last week it was, the lad and I shall return from the mountain. That wasn't, man, I sure, <laughs> wow. Just might maybe kind of, oh, I hope. No, we shall return. Why was it that he gave his, his servant such an easy out? His servant had made an oath to fulfill this task. You don't make oaths lightly. But he said to his servant, you know what? If she's not willing to come, you're free of your oath. Why did he say that? Because he knew she would come. It was a given to Abraham that, that someone was going to come. Did he know it was going to be Rebecca? No. Did he know that she was going to be beautiful? No. Those were probably the bonus things, the fact that she was a beautiful young woman and that she was so obedient and willing to come so quickly. Still amazes me that she gave that much water to his camels to the servants' camels. And so amazing that even though her family wanted her to stay a few more days, she said, no, I'm going. Abraham knew that was going to happen. Isaac knew it too. You know how I know that? Because Isaac went out in the field to pray at night. He was expecting the camels. Maybe not that day. But I'll bet you every evening Isaac went out, he was expecting camels. They're going to come. That's our hope, dear ones. Not a maybe someday kind of, wow, wouldn't it be great if. It will happen for those that understood the time of their visitation. Psalm 24, verses 7 to 10, we read this. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted, lift up, ye everlasting doors. The King of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates. Even lift them up, eat ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is the king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. Dear ones, he is our king. He is our Lord. He is our master. And my brother and my sister, the reason why we know this is because he saved us. He gave us victory over his death, allowed us to have victory over sin and death. We have life. And we have a hope, not only in this earth, but in the earth to come. This world to come. The new Jerusalem that we can't even comprehend at this point. We have our future, as Isaiah said, I hath not seen, nor hath here heard, neither has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. We can't comprehend it. And that's wonderful. That's great. You know what else is great and amazing? we don't have to worry about getting what we deserve. What we deserve is death and hell. That's what we deserve. 
But we don't have to worry about that. Because the Lord allowed us to know the day of our visitation. He allowed us to understand, my brother and my sister, when he called us that that was a day of visitation. And he gave us the grace to accept that gift, that offering. I heard a great quote. I hope I can get it right. I heard this yesterday. God doesn't call qualified people. He qualifies the called. We weren't called because we were qualified. We were qualified by him when he called. So as we approach this week, let's make sure that that when we look for these conversations with people, we're sharing with them that, you know, we were lost. We weren't special. There's nothing special about us that gives us this right. It's him. And that each person that we interact with has that same opportunity to come to the Lord, to understand that this is their day of visitation. To take part in the blessings of this week. To take part in the teachings so that when Jesus said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you will bear much fruit. That can be them too. It should be us. So maybe we need to sometimes ask ourselves, you know, how's, how are we doing? You know, do, do we maybe need some pruning so that we can bear more fruit? Not a pleasurable process, but a necessary one, right? We need to make sure that other people understand that they too can have Jesus say to them, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there ye may be also. That, the, that the, the, the words that he shared with his disciples when he said, I'm going to now eat this Passover feast with you and I'm going to drink of this fruit of the vine and I'm going to share this communion with you as he instituted the Lord's Supper and I won't do it again until I can do it in courts of glory with you. My friend outside of Christ, Don't miss your day of visitation. May the Lord add his blessings to this word.